podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Roden Podcast. Stay tuned to hear all things LFC. Miller, lovely cushion header for Gerard! Oh, beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah! Salah took it, rolled it up here for Nunez to win it! The Liverbird soars! Hi everyone and welcome to Season 3 of the Rodan Podcast. Today I am joined by former Red Bruno Sheiru. Bruno is now the Technical Director at Lyon and has took some time out to talk about his time at Liverpool. Bruno, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Very well, thank you. It's good to see you. It's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. Of course, now all people who are playing for Liverpool are everywhere in the world. But um, uh, of course, when you played for Liverpool, you always follow Liverpool. But it's more difficult for all the fans of Liverpool based in Liverpool to to follow everybody else. That's why that's good that you can... uh, have this kind of uh, invitation and thanks thanks very much for for the invitation no no problem no problem at all before we get into the liverpool side of things uh, i want to talk to you about your early career if that's okay before lfc so when you was first first picked up as a professional when was that and who was that uh, it was in lille um i was at the academy of Lens, but unfortunately for various reasons i couldn't go through professional football at that time but my brother signed at the same time in lille as me and um and i start my first season at the academy and then professional and then champions league football with with lille and um and then my transfer to liverpool in 2002 summer 2002. okay so you're now the technical director at Lyon, is that right? Yeah, I was. So um, I end my professional football career in 12, uh, 2012. I was playing for Nantes at that time, and uh, I straight away was um, advisor of the chairman at the time, was Valdemar Quita. Um, and I knew when I was a player, I knew that I would like to, to remain in the football because I love so much the game. And, I wanted to have some more responsibility, not as a coach, because for me, coach, it changed so quickly now. And uh, you all depend on the ball goes in, you, you win a game, you lose a game. And I wanted more to have like a midterm project, like a sport director or general manager. That's why, as you said, I was for the last three years in uh, Lyon, in OL. Um, as a technical advisor. At the beginning, I was head of recruitment for men and women, and then I became a technical advisor, like a sport director for men and women, because in, in, in Lyon, we had a very, very good women's team, and it was yeah. really important for us. Uh, I know Liverpool now has got one also, but with Lyon, I think it was our former chairman 20 years ago, believed a lot in development of women football. That's why I insist on the fact that I was also in charge of women's football. Okay, yet, as you mentioned, the Lyon women's football team has been fantastic for a number of years now. Um, Would you like to say that you played a good part in that? 
No, to be honest, uh, over the last two or three seasons, of course, about the recruitment, the way uh, we try to handle things with the, the management, with the coaching staff and the players. But to be honest, we have to give all the credit to the former chairman, Jean-Michel Olas. And as I told you, he was like really visionary. Do we say that in English? Yeah, pioneer visionary. The fact yeah. that... He see that women football will develop so much. I invest, he decided to invest a lot at a time where nobody knew that women could play football, to be honest. That's why we have to give him all the credit for that. Okay, so you might have seen now that I wasn't going to ask this, but while we're on the subject, um, Liverpool have just moved their women's team into Melwood. That That's a big move for the women's game over here, isn't it? Yes, it is, but I think you have some big rival in uh, Man United, Man City, Arsenal. Uh, they all give a lot to women football because, yeah, of course, in, in England, in general, uh, with Women's Super League, I think you uh, take the things properly with the professionalization of the league, with more money, and we know that means are really important, even for women football, and, and of course, um, if you can give means, you can also give resources, you can also give some facilities. And I think, of course, it will be better for women to develop, to, to train better, to perform if they are training in a better conditions. And this is a good move to, for, for them to go to Melwood. OK, so you have a former Premier League and Champions League winner with you now at Lyon, uh, Dejan Lovren. Uh, do you ever talk about your time at Liverpool and his of course, of course, and I was a big part of uh, his recruitment, to be honest. Uh, we were looking last season for big experience in the back. And um, we, in France and in Lyon in particular, we knew, of course, the young because before going to Southampton, he was playing for us for, for a while. And, um, and he's a great guy, he's a great player. And of course, when... Uh, uh, we talked about Liverpool, it creates something directly, a link, and uh, it was maybe easier for me to convince him to, to join us in Lyon, to, to join us back in Lyon. But of course, yeah, it was good memories, even if we didn't play together over there. It was good to talk about Anfield, about the Reds, his shirts, his history. This is something. Around, well, not across Europe, but in England, the French League may be unfairly labelled and it gets called, let's say, a farmer's league from over here. That's just a quote that I've heard and it's a quote that is used. Um, how does the French League take that next step into becoming more serious for an attractive proposition for players from not only England, but from Europe also? So I totally agree with you about the fact that it's unfair that French League has been not... Uh rated as it should be. Of course, it's definitely below England, Germany, Spain or Italy, that's for sure. But uh, it's not the most spectacular league to, to watch, to play, but it's a real difficult, it's really a difficult league to play for. And when you see um, Leo Messi, Fabregas or some big, big names, big players, they were really successful everywhere in different leagues. When they come over to, to France, the first thought, the first feedback that they said was that it's really difficult to play in France because of the physicality of the game, 
we have a lot of players coming from Africa, for instance, and they give a lot of intensity to the game, a lot of impact, especially in midfield. You don't have a lot of time to think about what you're going to do. So the next step for us would be to, I think, be better in European competition, to perform at that stage, because, and I was really well positioned to convince players to come over in France and to Lyon, it's easier if you say, for instance, if you compare to Sevilla or some clubs like that, I think we are with Lyon at the same level at some clubs like that. And we can convince players to come because we're going to win Europa League or we're going to go for it in a conference league or we're going to play, of course, group stage in Champions League. I think it's really a good um, point for players to know that we can reach that. So I think this this is the next step to be able to perform in European competition to attract better players and to 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 become a, a, a virtuous cycle. Yeah, I feel like I understand what you're saying about the, the intensity because, you know, the league cannot be as bad as people make out if the players from that league tend to come to England anyway. So, you know, it, like you said, it's, it feels like an unfair label. Let's, let's talk about your time at Liverpool then. Um, it's 2002. You're playing for Lille at the time. Um, Julier is manager at Liverpool. How did the move come about to move to Liverpool? Well, I had a good season in Lille, playing Champions League. Um, Scoring against Manchester United. Yeah, I think that was a key point, to be honest. <laughs> uh, especially uh, for Gerard Roulier, I think, when you have a f- little French guy able to score in Champions League against Man United, you have to scout him a bit more precisely and that's what happened I remember that early um, January or February I had some good touch with Fulham at that time it was Jean Tigana the coach Mm. Uh, and I had Lyon also and the the final choice was between Lyon and Liverpool this is funny story but this is it and in 2002 it was the first season where Lyon win the league and they were really dominant. You remember at the beginning of 2000 years in, in France, they win, I think, seven titles in a row. So it was easy to choose Liverpool at that time, of course. But when you look after at the, at the way that Lyon performed and dominate French League and even in Europe, there were really some big contenders at that time. You said, OK, maybe Lyon could have been also a good choice. Yeah. Okay, so Gerard mentioned you in his press conference and you know where I'm going with this and it must frustrate you so much. Um, But let's see how you feel. But he likened you to Zizou, one of the greatest players of all time. He said you had similar attributes and obviously we then believed that we would have the next Zizou coming to Liverpool. Do you feel like when he said that, that that gave unfair pressure, or did you think, okay, that's really good for me? No, he killed me. Did I? Yeah, of course. And after, I take it as an example for my life, actually, of a director who tried to not put too much pressure about some players. Um, so there is a way you talk about the new signings, for instance, to say, yeah, okay, it's a new Zidane, or it's a new Ronaldo, or, and there is a price of the transfer fee. We, there are two points 
which can be really heavy for players to perform. Because when you talk about a transfer fee and you have a player for 50 million pounds, of course, you expect some fucking good things, great yeah. goals, assists, passing, and a lot of things like that. And if the same players arrive as a free agent or only 10 million euros, you don't have the same expectation. So your perspective and your vision of seeing him play is not the same. And of course, when Gérard Roulier, and I understand why he said that, because he wanted to, to create a lot of trust, a lot of confidence, a lot of positivity, dynamic around myself, around the new signing with Elijah Diouf and Salif Diaw at that time. But it, it was not the right, <laughs> the right things to do. Uh, I'm not really a show-off player. Or I, I prefer being in the shade and uh, working as much as I can to, to create my space. But to have that kind of light out of me, it was not the best things for me. Yeah, no, I completely understand. So when when you signed, um, we wore this black and grey away kit and I can remember saying to me, Dad, I want Sheru 28 on my shirt. So I had, I've got that shirt still at home, um, Sheru 28, grey and black. And obviously I'm thinking, we're going to get the next Zidane. Unfortunately, it didn't work out as you wanted and as Liverpool wanted at the club. You play 48 games, you score five goals, one of them being a massively important goal at Stamford Bridge. Um, brilliant play between yourself and Emil Heskey. Do you think about that? And at that time when you scored that goal, did you think, okay, this is it now for me? Yeah, if you come back about the first season, for instance, just briefly, I remember I was quite hot. I was really confident and... Uh, happy with the move and I was really feeling good um, and we played the first official game uh, the first big friendly was in Anfield against Lazio where I played quite good and the week after it was the Community Shield in uh, Cardiff against Arsenal and I was really hoping for playing you know and uh, I think I was in a good shape to, to start and Jaoli came before the game to see me and say, okay, so for a couple of weeks, you're going to sit on the bench, you're going to have a look of how it is. And he wanted to do the same thing Arsene Wenger did with Robert Pires. Mm. Uh, he was comparing us a lot about our positioning, about our quality, about everything. And he said, yeah, you have to sit down, look how it is take the intensity, the pace of the game, and then after you will get in. I understand that, but I think it was a bad point also afterward. It's easy to say it, but uh, I was so on a good way, on a good move, that I should have keep it going, as you say. Yeah. And uh, because after, when you don't play for a couple of weeks and you play for Liverpool, that you play each three days, you can't train because mm -hmm. if, if you play on a Saturday and you have Champions League game on Tuesday or Wednesday, on the, the next day of Saturday, you can't work too hard to because maybe you're going to play on Tuesday or, or Wednesday. Mm -hmm. And then it's the same thing for the next game and it's the same thing for the next game. So 
I was getting in for 15, 20 minutes, but you can't have really the pace of the game during 15 or 20 minutes at the end. And then I remember, I think my first game in the first 11 was in Bolton or something like that. But after 30 minutes, I was dead because I didn't have the pace yeah. of the game. I didn't have the fitness game because I was sitting on the bench for two months and I couldn't do too much during training session to catch it, catch the pace up, you know? Mm. So it was tough. And then, of course, you need some adaptation. So the first season could have been the adaptation year where we finished, I think, fourth. We were in the League Cup. So it was not a bad season collectively. And yeah, we had a good run in, in Champions League that Europa League, we went out uh, because of Dufy. Uh, against <laughs> we're going to... We're going to talk about him later. Oh, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> and then uh, and then the second season, I was really working out during uh, pre-seasons, uh, workouts during uh, summertime and everything. I start the first game against Chelsea uh, in Anfield. And then I had a, a really sore and bad back problem, which put me out for, for two or three months. And then when I get back, I don't know if you know the story about that, but I, I, I went with the reserve team playing in, in Blackburn after three months out. And I was supposed to play only 45 minutes. And uh, just before half time, at 44 minutes, I had a challenge in the air. And the big centre-back stepped up on my, on my tooth and I had my uh, broken tooth. So out again for two months. So this is not about quality, this is not about talent, it's a bit about of luck, you know. Luck, yeah. And uh, and then we arrived at this Stanford Bridge game. The way I played with Emileski up front, it was during, I think, January, with a lot of games, you know that, in wintertime, um, Boxing Day, all that stuff. So it was really heavy at that time, and uh, yeah. so Jao Yich change a lot of the teams with a lot of rotation and I remember I played with Emil Esky up front and uh, yeah we win away and uh, I was lucky enough to score that goal and after I had a good run I think I, I scored against Wolverhampton I Newcastle. scored a double against Newcastle at home in the in, um, English Cup so that was a good time for me but in Liverpool you have so many good players that if you don't have uh, or if you have one or two or three bad performances, you have some Michael Owens get in, Danny Murphy get in, or Milan Barros. Or, yeah, we had so many good and talented players that you have to perform each game. Otherwise, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And that's just from a fan looking in from afar. Obviously, you, you mentioned a couple of things there with luck and timing and stuff. So do you believe that, you continuing the momentum instead of being sat on the bench would have helped you? Is that how you feel as a footballer that would have worked better? At the beginning, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning, yeah, I thought it could have been good. But once again, uh, I understand totally the way he managed the roster, mm. the group. I was just a new signing and uh, he had a midterm project for me. It was not to be starting the next game. But and, you know, it's always easier to say that afterwards. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it could have been better handled, but 
I don't have any regrets. That's the way it is, and that's football, you know. Good, good. I like that. So, um, lastly, on your time at Liverpool, um, obviously Julio is sacked as Liverpool manager after a brilliant, a brilliant time at the club. Let's let's be honest with ourselves. Here. He's he's given me some of my greatest memories as a Liverpool supporter. So sad that he's no longer with us. Rafa Benitez came to the club and. I've spoke to a lot of ex-players and they've all sort of said the same thing. Now, when he arrived, he almost seemed to push you out the door, let's say, and sent you to Marseille. Is that how it was? Did he have any discussions with you or was it a case of, you're not for me, move on? No, I think, once again, it was not against me. It was more about changing the way of uh, the Liverpool roster was built. And uh, with Gerard Oulier, who was a bit more French-speaking colony, as we say it, yeah. and with Rafa Benitez, he, he needed to give his own input, impact on, on the team, on the roster, on the new signing. So uh, you well seen after that that he, he brought a lot of Spanish players. So that was normal. And once again, it's football. But yeah. I had some good discussion with Rafa Benitez and he didn't want to get rid of me. It was just a matter of opportunities for me, for Liverpool. And uh, um, yeah, I needed to, to be back in France. I think at that time, um, I was not anymore too much called up with French national team. And I saw that if I go to Marseille, which is really popular in France, could have helped me out to get back with my French national team. So no regrets, neither. Uh, of course, when you look at it, 2004, 2005, I was on loan in Marseille and that was the great year of Liverpool winning the Champions League again. But <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this, this, like you said, this is football, isn't it? Yeah, that's why, you know, sometimes um, I say there is no bad players, there is no... It's tough to be a, a, a professional football player, and sometimes it doesn't depend of yourself. Of course, some top big players they can be successful anywhere, but you just need to get the right coach, the right mm. environment, the right club. And I truly believe that there are some good players, but they don't fit in any teams in the world. And you look the biggest one in the world, like Messi, he didn't fit too much in in Paris Saint Germain. I'm not sure it could have been better in England if he come over to uh, Premier League. I'm not sure that he could have been as successful as he was in Barcelona because the team was really shaped for him. So, And he was the best player of the world, maybe at that time. So, yeah, this is football, you know. Okay, so I have a couple of just quick questions before we yeah. finish. Um, you have a player at Lyon. And he's a very, very talented boy. Now, I might pronounce his name completely different than you, which I probably will. But Ryan Cherky, how do we say that where you're from, first of all? Ryan Cherky, no, no, you did it perfectly. Okay, so how far do you think he can go in the game? Because, like, from a football manager expert like myself, <laughs> he's a very talented boy, and I've seen plenty of clips of him. Um, do you think he can go far? Is different. It's totally different. Um, when I started to be in charge in Lyon, Peter Boss was a coach 
Um, he, he could say the same thing as you that yeah, Shirky has some talent, but he's not decisive enough. He, his end product is not good enough, and for high level, it will not be enough. So I had to fight a little bit against uh, Peter to try to convince him that he's a talent. And if he would have played for Nice, Rennes, Lille, or another team, we would have uh, been recruiting him if we could have. So we have him at home. It's our responsibility to try to make him come as good as we expect him to become. So, of course, like all the talented players, they're always special also in management-wise. So it's not that easy to make him understand a few things, but he's a lovely guy. And for me, he's one of the biggest talents we have in France and in Europe. So I think he can be a player for a top, top team, for the top 10 team of, of Europe. So he can be a player for Liverpool. I don't know if it was one of is your... This, is this an exclusive? Question. Can you do that? <laughs> can you but help? He's expensive, <laughs> huh? You must get out the money for him, huh? <laughs> we don't like to do that. <laughs> okay, um, a couple more questions. Uh, one we sort of touched on. El Hadji Juf, he's upset a lot of Liverpool supporters and players over the years. What was he actually like to share a dressing room with? I, it, it's a bit different. My, my relation with Juf was not the same for as some other players, of course. Is this French speaking? Is that why? Yeah, French speaking, and I knew him from before. Okay. Um, and I was really straight with him. So the first time it was a bit tough together, but that's the way after he was respecting me much, uh, much okay. more than maybe some other people. And um, yeah, I, I think, I, and now I see him a lot. I, I used to go to Senegal because we have an academy with you in Senegal. So each time I go to Dakar, I call him. Uh, I had a dinner with him and only one dinner, two dinners, it's too much, but one dinner is enough. <laughs> and sometimes I have to pay also, so it's another story. But uh, anyway, of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I understand that he can upset some Liverpool fans or some other teammates. I understand totally because it was... As I said about Cherky, it was a bit different, the way he acts. And, of course, we all remember different stuff against Celtic, for instance, yeah. or many others. So I couldn't be really happy with all what he's done so far, that's for sure. I was really, really upset with him also sometimes. But we all always had a real respectful relation. So I like him. Okay, we'll leave it there. What was it like to share a dressing room with arguably my favourite footballer of all time at Liverpool, Steven Gerrard? Yeah, that was great. That was just unbelievable. When uh, people ask me yeah, who was the best player you played with, I always mention two players, Zinedine Zidane and Steven Gerrard. Yeah. Um, not the same kind of players, not the same qualities, not the same impacts, but Stevie G was really... Uh, inspiring. I think this is really the, the, the good words for for Stevie G to be to be mentioned. Uh, he had so much energy, he had so much uh, power uh, to spread out all over the other people. And I think I played in 2000, 2003, 
when Gerardul changed the armband to Sam, from Sami Ipia to Stevie G. And that was a big thing, but it was really an honor, and I was really proud to play it alongside him. And uh, and uh, I, I saw him again a couple of times because, of course, and he was with Rangers, or so, uh, we had to talk about some players from Lyon or from Rangers. So uh, we had we keep a good relation, and I'm really happy with that. And no, I remember I was uh, working for Bean Sports during World Cup. And he was having the press conference the day before the game. And we were, I was with all the other journalists, so it was a full conference press room. And at the end, I didn't know he, he saw me, but he, he, he came to me. So he basically walked through all the journalists. So they were like that. And he came to me to say hi to me and to speak a few minutes with me. So it tells you how big he is. Yeah. That's nice to hear. That's nice to hear. Um, okay, lastly, when are we going to see you at Anfield? Yeah, I think I played uh, three or four years ago. I scored a goal. We, I think we drew 2-2, something like that. Last year, I was invited. I couldn't come because of my activity with, with OL, and it's not always that easy to try to find some time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> politically, but also yeah, to find really some free time to be able to play that kind of game. I would like, I would love to play some more often and to come over to Anfield, to Liverpool, to meet my former teammates. It's always some good, good memories to share all together. Uh, so I hope that one day I can come back again. I came last year with my son, who is a big, big uh, football fan and, of course, Liverpool fan. And uh, we came for Liverpool-Chelsea, I think it was end of January, something like that. And I think that was really important for me to bring him to Anfield, where I, I played and um, to, to, to show him how big the club is yeah. and how important it is for all the community and for this area of Great Britain. So, of course, if you invite me, I will come over all the time. Okay, Bruno, let's let's call it a podcast there. Um, first of all, thanks very much for taking your time out of such a busy career that you have to share your stories and your thoughts on Liverpool. It's it's very much appreciated and I wish you all a luck in your role at Leon. Thank you very much and and yes, of course, all the best for you also and for Liverpool. And yes, this is uh, the, uh, the proper sentence for Liverpool, but we'll never walk alone and this is how I feel all the time. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks to everyone for listening in to today's podcast and thank you to our amazing guests. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Don't forget to follow us on social media, twitter.com forward slash the road end pod and on Instagram, Instagram slash the road end pod. 